0: everyone. this is rise up aapi excellence a podcast devoted to celebrating the experiences challenges and success of the asian asian american native hawaiian and pacific islander community i am your host dr Xuan wong wolf welcome everyone i'm very pleased today to be joined by my guest kimfer flannery rye Founder and Principal Consultant at McKimisms. Hi Kimfer, how are you today? I'm good, but how are you? Good, good. Um, it's Tuesday, so <laughs> 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 just getting started like you said earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure when this will be airing, so maybe it won't be a Tuesday for those who are watching it, but for right now for you and I, it's a Tuesday and uh, beginning of the week, really.
0: Right, right. So uh, would you like to introduce yourself briefly for our audience? Sure. Um, Again,
1: my name is Kimfer Flannery Rye. I am a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant and my company is called My Kimisms and there's a little story behind why it's called that. But really uh, my business is focused on um, around Obviously, around diversity and inclusion, but really from uh, the area of systems change, because mm-hmm. I really believe that you can't make systemic changes happen within, you know, within our society if you or your organization are not ready to make systems changes. Uh, it's way beyond education. It is really about a business strategy and all things that encompasses that. So, um, and with that, really my background into DEI has been. Uh, has been an interesting intersection, I guess, of how I got here, but I do have background in marketing. I was uh, in the past a vice president and executive creative director for a business-to-business digital marketing agency. Um, I have my MBA in executive leadership. Um, I'm also an adjunct professor that teaches Mm -hmm. creativity and innovation to master's students um, in Seattle. And those are just a little bit of the things uh, on my background,
0: I guess. Wow. What a, you know, wild array of um, great um, things that you've been doing. Um, you know, teaching in a, co- in a um, university as well as, uh, you know, running your own business. And I'm just curious, um, based on uh, what you have shared, so you were um, executive VP previously in a media company, and how? What propels you to um, shift your career to creating your own company? I think you know, for
1: me, it was uh, there, there's a bit of a um, bit of an uh, a change that occurred. Oh, no, not just a bit; a massive change occurred when I went to go get my master's. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as an executive MBA, that you, when you go through that, you are working. Um, as a full-time executive, as well as doing your full-time MBA with other executives uh, from various industries. And I just happen to be going to a university uh, that is really focused on, um, the Je- it's a Jesuit university, Seattle, mm-hmm. Seattle U, and um, with the Jesuit you know, teaching, it's really focused on really about ethical leadership, how you show up in the global commons, um, how you really look at social justice and social impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though I said, it just happened, that's the school that I happened to go, but obviously the people that are in my cohort chose that school for a reason, because of those things that were really called to us. And so during that time, I went through a really big transformation, beyond a transition, a transformation. Mm-hmm. Really think about how I want to impact, in the you know, and show up in the world, right. and yeah. And at the time, you know, I I loved my job. I loved the company. The founders were amazing people, mm-hmm. and my team was really phenomenal group of individuals who are an award-winning group yeah. uh, but but ultimately our clients were folks like Microsoft, Google, Amazon's so like right. the big tech industry
0: yeah and
1: I thought I thought you know if you just were to remove me out of that scenario mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much you would really miss the impact that I've had on that multi-billion dollar global industries right right and so uh for me, It was really about trying to figure out how do I take all of this um, learnings that I've had in my 20 plus years of business and Mm -hmm. find ways that I can have an impact in a way that aligns to the values that I really want to showcase and show up in the world in this servant leadership, ethical leadership, um, and how to impact, you know. Socially good in a greater sense. So that's really what that big transition um, was for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Um, I'm sure um, you know working in a, you know, a very innovative media company that you know collaborated with big like tech you know, companies. You know, like those big names, like you said. Um, each vendor's contribution can become invisible and then you know, everything will come to the end to become the Excel files, data reports, and the numbers game, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what, we really, what we really contribute and what we really um, trying to make a difference for seems um, sort of a minimal and then an insignificant. So I'm, I'm just very curious to um, know further about what uh, my humanism does.
1: Yeah, well, as my mechanisms, um, like I said, it's a diversity and inclusion consultant. See, mm-hmm. and um, really, what I focus on, like I said before, is looking at a client's organization and how we can make systems changes right to impact the greater systemic issues that we have and so i really look at it from three very specific areas of an organization i look at their brand which i believe brand is where you define the culture that's mm-hmm. where vision mission um, your values are right. defined for internally and how you show up externally as a brand right right and then um i believe that people enact the culture, meaning Mm -hmm. they're the ones who actually can live the values that's written down or actually go against that because Mm -hmm. culture is one of those things where if you don't work on it, it will create its own thing, right? And culture is one of the number one, I think, um, impact areas for an organization. And then when we were looking at in the third part of this, and we all have a Venn diagram, I like to say, the third part of that is the process and policies in which the organizations then can have um, an impact and support those uh, brand people all of those things that are within the company, and so mm-hmm. for me, when I work with organizations, we are looking at all aspects across the board. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, I use uh, design thinking principles um, mm-hmm. really as a way for me to um, work through that process. Uh, and the reason I use design thinking is partly because of my background in, in as a creative, but it's also because it is a human centered design principle. So you. Right. Have start really with people and the empathy of those that you are going to impact. So for me, I use those principles to really work through the process and the steps with the clients that I work with.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great... What is it? The, the formula, right? So, yeah. Uh, you know, connecting the brand and these people and the process and policy really makes, um, you know, a systemic change for you know the company, the culture itself, and then how, um, you you know, you utilize utilize the design thinking, um, the human centered, um, you know, approach uh, that can um, you know help the, the company um, you shift their culture and make a systemic, systematic change. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, would you like to share one or two of the case studies? Um,
1: Well, it depends on what kind of case studies you're looking for. But um, I do have one client uh, that we actually were chosen to, um, well, the case study I have with them was chosen to be shared at the Global Inclusion Forum This year, and uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to showcase it fully in the way that they had. You know, the the um, the organization had uh, uh, had uh, decided to. Uh, what is it that I'm trying to say? That they had originally formulated it was a subset of the Global Inclusion Forum, but right. the information is actually out there um, on their website, so you can see it. But um, I would say one of the clients that I work with is um, just an amazing organization, Lions and Tigers. Uh, it mm-hmm. was uh, founded by um, a woman named Bria who found herself at seven months pregnant, um, was let go of her job. And oh. then, yes. And then having to, once she had her child and once she came back into the workforce and realized what type of gap and what type of um prejudice, and all the things that can go into um, women coming back to work mm-hmm. with a gap in their, you know, in their yeah. Um, work, workforce. Yeah. So anyway, so they actually started their business really focusing on really looking at it from this area of equity, not yeah. even equity to um, an area of, uh, of a group that are underserved in that way. And um, so working with them has been pretty amazing process because of the fact that they understand it. But at the same time, they will admit that there are they are a a white executive leaders. And so for them, after what happened with George um Floyd's murder last year, you know, for them was really trying to um, understand how can we actually do the things that we need to do in this place, in Mm -hmm. as an ally, as someone who can show up authentically and truthfully. And so they've been on this journey for, um, they've been on this journey since last August, maybe Mm -hmm. July, actually. So almost a year now, and um, they are long term committed. Uh, We went through multiple months of auditing from doing interviews with their people, doing focus groups, uh, we went through all their brand uh, materials, uh, digital uh, as well, looking at um, accessibility mm-hmm. as well as language and all of that and right. went through um, their, all of their process and policies and, we, uh, and created a strategy. They created a strategy. I was there to help um, facilitate that, but really an organization has to own their own strategy or won't right. um, come to fruition. And every one of their executives has been committed and they've also been doing their own learning journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I matched them up with another DEI consultant who specifically focuses on um, people with, who are white with understanding their own white privilege and power. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So throughout that whole um, journey that they've been on, they were able to prioritize things that they can really quickly impact the organizations, things that they need to do longer term process, um, things that, uh, that um, are in like three, three year plan. And so mm-hmm. they're really um, an organization that you can see them truly, truly doing systems change within their organization and um, have also recently uh, been awarded, I think um, a, uh, an award from Microsoft, one of their biggest clients, um, as being a diverse vendor. So um, so that, that was a really big thing. And I think as of today, I saw that they also uh, received um, Puget Sound, which is where we live at Puget Sound, oh. um, uh, best place of, to work. Um, oh, that's awesome. 100, yeah. So there are definitely, there, there's impact that's happening within the organization.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, You know, for for companies, you know, regardless of their size, their you know how many employees that they have, or um, you know what fancy products that they produce, right? Um, Really, becoming an ally is the future. So, what kind of what suggestions or advices do you um, have for you know uh, companies who are aiming to? Um, enact or implement like their cultural change in terms of diversity and inclusion in their own organization, regardless of the size?
1: Yeah, well, I think, first of all, you have to treat it like a business imperative as much as you treat it as a, a human-people uh, imperative, right? And so, um, first and foremost, make sure if it's a business imperative, that you do put it as a business strategy. That means it needs to have a budget, it needs to have um, resource allocated to it, Um, it needs to be a part of how you do business. And um, yes, you can do a lot of things internally as you can, but you need to hire people who actually, that's what their expertise are in, or Um, work with consultants like myself or others Mm -hmm. to make that happen, right? So it can't just be one of these things where hire an intern to help you with your DEI or you can't (laughs) have, um, which we saw a lot of, you know, uh, identifying someone who would be part of the BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, um, People of Color Mm -hmm. group and saying, hey, you're part of that group. Why don't you take on our DEI initiatives? Right. Which is... (laughs) not the way to go. for Tokenism, so, isn't it? Tokenism, yeah. It's true, truest form. And on top of that, they're setting them up for fail, failure, failure yeah. because mm-hmm. if they're not, um, if they don't have expertise around diversity, equity, inclusion, how are they supposed to, like, how do, do they have the tools necessary to make that successful? So, right. yeah. So I think, you know, ultimately for for me, I would say Treat it as a business strategy, business imperative, because there are tons of research out there how businesses are more innovative when you have more voices and more diversity at the table, and um, and that's from you know from your board all the way down to the front line. So um, you know ultimately, like you have to commit. You can't you can't be lip service. It can't be just hey, let's put a statement on our website or let's see what we can do to check the box, right? Right, right. It it has to be true change and, and it has to be both internal, meaning you, personal internal change, as well as your organizational change.
0: Right, right. Well said. Can't be just, uh, like you said earlier, hire someone from the the, the Black, Indigenous, uh, you know, people of color community or, you know, other minority groups and then say that this is what we do for DEI or we have yeah. some, someone from that community. It doesn't mean that it's systematic change or there's any change or difference as, at all, right? Um, yeah, so uh, in terms of Um, you know, a system of change, like, um, I don't want to call out to Silicon Valley, but, you know, a lot of tech tech companies, you probably, um, you know, collaborated with several already in your previous careers, right? Um, There's a really huge um, number of, um, you know, either engineers, um, you know, programmers, right, and working in the tech field uh, from our um, AAPI community, right, especially Asian community. And um, there's a lot of reports and studies um, prominently um, pointed out the fact that a lot of the, you know, the workforce, Asian workforce, um, you know, sort of like really working as worker bees. But in terms of ascending to the management or senior leadership roles, it's like less and less, like really like 2% or even less. Right. So how how do you, you know, um, what's your comment on that? Yeah,
1: you know. For me, there's, okay, so there's a couple of things. <laughs> One, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a combination of that last question and what you're talking about now, which is uh, a lot of times companies fall into this idea is that if we just recruit diverse talent, then that solves our diversity, equity and inclusion issue. Right? And that's not true, first of all, that's just maybe maybe taking care of your diversity challenge but oftentimes, what that means is that they just want to hire, you know, this, they, okay. they want to hire for diversity. But once they are hired, what they're looking to do is assimilate them to sameness. Mm-hmm. So then you just strip away all the, um, the goodness of of the differentiator and the things that they can bring into the organization by, by again, homogenizing right. the expectations at the organization. So there's that and then, so when you're thinking about it with that perspective, a lot of diverse talent being um, hired into organizations, they're really pressured to then, you know, deal with code switching um, and all of that to the, to the predominant group, which happens to be in the US. And that, you know, it's really a white majority when you right. comes to that. And then once you are looking at the various levels of leadership, and we all know this, like as you go up the leadership chain, the smaller and smaller the number of, not only just AAPI folks, women mm-hmm. of um, people of BIPOC backgrounds, yeah. all of that, e- every single one of the otherness becomes smaller and smaller in those pockets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for, for me, the idea of all of that is, again, it's who holds the power who's opening doors, who's mm-hmm. allowing people, you know, that whole idea of seat at the table. Right. And if, if what you're really looking for is um, looking for in this bias of sameness, right? Mm-hmm. Affinity bias is what happens is that right. even if people are in your organization, you're still going to source those people that are like you, and they are going to rise in the organization while others aren't. And that's really a lot of the case of what happens. And if you think about tech in general, that's where a lot of, like you said, has a lot of engineers. Um, Yes, there are Asian um, engineers and a lot of Asian men as well. That's also Mm -hmm. predominant in this, but really the people holding the power are still at the white sector. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Really, um, like you said earlier, who's um ho- holding all the power who's opening the doors for <laughs> you know who they, who they want to promote and and you know be become part of the club part of the team right um yeah so that's really a question for you know you know all companies across industries to think um deeply about you know how they can actually make a change in terms of, um, you know, the DI efforts, not just Mm -hmm. hiring people from the minority groups, the, um, you know, BIPOC um, community, but also um, really um, help them and help them grow, right? Help them grow Mm -hmm. internally, externally, help them ascend the so-called ladder there. And um, really um, not only, um, you know, for, that's really the future of the organization, right? The future demographics is more and more diverse. Can't be just, you know, homogeneous like that. And speaking the um, same uh, language, which is English or, um, you know, have the same um, Anglo-Saxon names, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, And I I do have a question, (laughs) considering it's either a personal question or a question asked for, um, on behalf of, you know, future young, um, female, uh, female of color, um, you -hmm. know, women of color professionals, how uh, did you ascend in the, I don't know, corporate ladder (laughs) and become the executive VP and then big media company and could you share some of your experience? Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting thing. Um, I think
1: it has a lot to do, honestly, has more to do with the leadership that we had at that organization. So the three founders that we have, yes, two of them were men, but one of the other founders, a female, and she is a white female, but she is, I would consider her to be one of those super allies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She is someone that I see as a mentor, as someone who uh, was my manager and um, her name is Anika. And she was pretty phenomenal in how she really thinks about um, the kind of privilege and power that she does hold. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, I'm not saying that even in that organization that it, it wasn't felt per se, because a lot of it is subversive, right? It's right. it's why it takes um, someone like me maybe longer than it would someone else that isn't Asian woman. Or, um, I mean, there's also like these things where, um, you know, th- that women have to prove, right? right. To get hired and prom- promoted mm-hmm. versus men just have to show potential. And so I think, you know, for me, I think there was a lot of proof points along the way for me. And um, and as even as a manager, like one of the things I always did was have all my employees keep a uh, uh, an annual deck of what they accomplished throughout the year, uh, the projects that they worked on, Mm -hmm. any um, feedback and quotes from people of kudos um and i you know i really believed in measurement too so i kept track of my performance throughout and every annual review that came through no matter what the annual review process was which we had a um i would say pretty typical 360 review process right. but i always augmented it with my own information like that so that it is right. clearly all of these points in which way i've either hit or succeed you know um mm-hmm. uh met or went beyond right. what was expected of me. And so I think for me is those are the things that I would highly recommend to anyone, um, period, but definitely for folks like us to have those proof points constantly mm-hmm. because that's how we're measured. I mean, it's one of those things I don't want us to fall into like only doing what is expected of us, right? And we should be trying to break down all of these um, systemic issues, but it's hard to look at proof points and then dispute them. And, or you can then use that and say this, I, please tell me why, like even though all of these are showing Mm -hmm. and having that um, be measured against someone else, right? Mm And also, I think the other thing, too, is each of us in, um, in the BIPOC community are seen differently, mm-hmm. and um, we, are, we are viewed differently than our Black um, community counterparts, right? So it's possible as a Black female in my position may had a different journey than I did, Mm -hmm. Um, because of the kind of stereotypes that we all have to face um, as, you know, different part of the BIPOC community. So um, there's some things I think as an Asian person, there are some things that we don't have to um, combat or deal with um, that some of our other um, community counterparts do have to. And mm-hmm. so I'm not saying it made it easier for me. I'm just saying it's just different in the way that I can show up, mm-hmm. um, because we're considered the model minority. Right. You know, we're non-threatening. Again. Yeah, we're non-threatening. We're the model minority. We're already seen as smart. We're already seen as people that are quiet. That's not going to you know create create um, uh, too much right. waves. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things that um, that allow us to do certain things that, you know, others might not. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I think there's, there's a lot of those kind of, I wish I had a, you know, like really clear answer for you, but I think that it's just, it's too complicated in how all of these things, I think there's a lot of it has to do with um, the founders that we had in the organization and the super strong culture that they had Mm -hmm. that allowed me to continue to succeed there. And then um, there's a lot that is intrinsically me. And I think just the way that I am internally an entrepreneur. So I have this way of being, even if I work for someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's just certain intrinsic things that I've always done to help me propel myself um, in organizations. and, um, And ultimately for me is I've never, I was never... Um, a ladder climber, I guess, is the way we talk about it. Some people, I know I've had this conversation with someone back in the day, they were talking about how they've always had a title that they were going after and they did it and they went after it each time. I'm like, that's amazing. We got to about the same kind of place. I'm like, I never went after a title. I was Mm -hmm. given the title because I went to go after a area um, that I saw a gap and I filled that gap. And because Mm -hmm. of that, I got a promotion. And right. so, so there's, I think, different ways that um, we kind of approach in the way that we do things. So I guess, ultimately, I, I was constantly showing proof of the right, right. capacity in the way that I can do things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. And then great suggestion to always uh, you know, keep track of the, the achievements, the great work we do, and the habit um, you know, um, as an evidence-based right, um, approach. Um, into um, demonstrating our success or, um, you know, um, like periodical, um, you know, achievements that are cumulatively and in the end for annual or, you know, like quarterly uh, reviews, um, you know, uh, will be good in the long run. Yeah, if- absolutely. And <laughs> espe-
1: well, and especially if um, you can make it, I'm always going to say if you can make it data-driven, the better. So if right. you know, you know you were able to achieve 120 percent above whatever you did then call that out or you know your goal was to hit 20 sales I'm just making stuff up but you uh-huh. hit 30 great call that out you know like that's what I'm saying is that you, you have to, you can't just be like I did a great job on a project
0: right that, right right not, what's the evidence <laughs> <laughs> evidence yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's always good to set up uh, certain goals for ourselves, and especially like you earlier mentioned, there's a gap there, and then because of your great work and your achievements, and then you feel that gap, and then you know the all the rest that comes afterwards, right? The promotion and everything was just a given, um, and especially you were, um, I think sometimes it's kind of fortunate enough, enough right? In the in the community and the, uh, in the com- company that values, um, you know diversity and, and inclusion and then the culture is so cultivating for everybody to thrive thrive. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. righty. Um, as we approach to um uh, the <laughs> conclusive uh moments of our chat today. Um, so um Kimfer, how can our audience connect get connected with you? Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I am
1: on in- Instagram and on LinkedIn, probably more than any other kind of channels, Um, reach out to me on my LinkedIn, you'll find me as Kim Flannery Rye, Kim Kim First, Flannery Rye. Um, And within my um, Instagram, it's at my Kimisms. (laughs) So um, N-Y-K-I-M-I-S-M. it's right there on the right, screen. right there. there. <laughs> yeah, right there on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. You can connect me um, through there. I do put out a lot of resources and a lot of um, posts that are dear allies. And so um, how you can do the work. I like to say you can do the work um, to really hone in on your allyship. And that because allyship is all about action. It is mm-hmm. it's an action not a uh,
0: a no noun service. or a
1: badge yeah it's not right. a badge you get to wear it's the kind of action that you take um, so there's resources available and then also, of course also my website you can go there at mykinisms.com to um to see the kind of process in which I do my work um, and uh yeah connected with me there but ultimately probably the best way to find me is through my LinkedIn and my
0: Instagram yeah Awesome, awesome. I uh, want to um, uh, reiterate the, um, you know, how basically the formula that you provided just now, previously, uh, about, you know, for any organization to advocate for allyship, right? It's about their brand, their people, and the process and policy. I think that's a great formula. Um, And then, you know, um, this structure is there. We just need to fill the gaps. Thank you so much, Kimfer, for, for um, you know, uh, joining us today with our audience. And, and I'm sh- I mean, it's a great um, episode with a lot of great information. And thank you again uh, for sharing your expertise, your experiences and your insights with us. Thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me. This was a really
1: fun chat. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we uh, get connected again for another episode soon. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Rise Up, AAPI Excellence. I am your host, Dr. Xuan Wong-Wolf. You're welcome to connect with me via LinkedIn. Stay tuned for our next episode. Take care.